Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I am your host. And today I have a world famous guy on the show. He's probably more famous in his mind. I'm kidding. He's such a funny and fun, amazing, successful entrepreneur that will absolutely blow your mind with his story. He is a very good friend of mine. His name is Tom Chenault. I want you to share this out with all of your friends or both of them. Either way, share this out and let's get a lot of people on here and let's change some lives and break through walls. Stay with us. And we're back. Let me bring the world famous Tom Chenault on. Tom, welcome to the show, man. Finally. I'm so happy to be here. I cannot believe it. Hello, Ken Walls. Finally got you on. You What's called so funny me is we did so much talking together. We thought we'd actually been on this show. <laughs> Dude, I, I was like, we were on, on a phone call the other day and, and Tom's like, what? why haven't you had me on yet? And I go, I have. And he goes, no, no, you haven't. And so we both were like befuddled, like looking, searching the internet. to see. <laughs> it was crazy. And, and, and let's, let's just put all the onus on you. I had sent you the link to schedule and you didn't schedule. It was on my fault. hundred percent me. I got it. I love you, dude. So, so listen, I, I, um, I started this, gosh, it's been almost five years ago now. And, um, I started this based on some very, very, um, deep principles in my life. Um, and that is if we hear enough other people's stories, it may just heal our own life. And, and so that's what this is about, man. And so let's start with where you were born and raised. Look at the, hold on. We got Adrian watching. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. Well, Adrian is my son. So, you know, so I've known him for about 38 years, but oh, I've been right. around for 71 years. I was born in Littleton, Colorado. And the only claim to fame in Littleton, Colorado is the famous cannibal. Alfred E. Packer is buried in Littleton Cemetery. So that's our claim to fame. And it's just south of Denver and grew up there. It's just a normal kid. You're known for having a cannibal in your town. Yeah. So all you contact mappers can use that to remember something that I'm going to perk up when you say it. Oh, my gosh. So so you were born in, in Littleton Colorado. You were raised there. Is that where you went to school and all that? That's where I got kicked out of several schools. I went to uh, South Elementary. I went to Euclid High School. I went to Littleton High School. And in my senior year, my mom came downstairs and said, Tommy, you are not going to graduate from high school unless you like or step on the gas pedal. And if you don't graduate, we're kicking you out. So I made it through high school barely and then proceeded to get kicked out of a bunch of colleges. Wow. What were you studying in college? Alcohol. <laughs> I can't say that I'm not familiar with that um, yes. that major. So, well, you did better than me because I in 12th grade, they said you didn't get a biology credit in 10th grade. And I said, yeah, because that class sucked and I hated it. And they're like, well, you need that to graduate. And I'm like, well, see ya. I walked wow. out. Yeah. So you're, see, you're already, you're already better than I am. So, so Tom, when you went to college, what was the reason? Is it just because everybody went to college back then you were forced into it? Why, why'd you go? 
I have no idea. <laughs> I, I swear, no one's ever asked me that question. And I went there. I was really a smart little kid with terrible grades. So I knew I could get through anything. And uh, I went up there. And supposedly, my, my major was pre-law. But I okay. found that alcohol. And I just started drinking it in every piece of iota of ambition went out the window and I wanted nothing to do with any of it except just drinking the whiskey and getting the heck out of there. And I did it. How long did you attempt college? For about three years. And I, I don't know, I could have a zero. If they, if they pulled my transcripts, it might be 0.0. .0. So, okay. Um, well, with, with that sort of behavior, there were, um, other things probably occurring in your life at the time. So, so talk about, uh, here's what I, I like, I like to kind of dig into. Um, I feel like there's always something or someone, a string of events, something that occurs in someone's life that as a child that pushes them in the direction they go as an adult. That's a hundred percent right. And what, 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 what is that for you? It's a pretty, it's, it might be a longer answer than you want, but I, Hey dude, you have no idea how many psychiatrists have had to analyze me in the whole shot. So this whole deal is so familiar with me. So I lived on a dairy farm right outside of Littleton, Colorado with four old maids and we were dirt poor. So as a result, no money. These four old ladies just took care of us. It was a dairy farm. My dad was the manager and we were destitute. I mean, destitute. And all of a sudden there were three kids. All of a sudden my mom disappears one day. She's gone. And I'm going, where's my mom? Well, it turns out my brother was born three months prematurely. And so he, she's at Swedish hospital. This kid's fighting for his life and my mom's nowhere to be seen. So what happened there, Ken, was everybody just patted me on the head and said, Tommy, be good. And I go, I'm going, so I'm being as good as I can. And my mom still didn't come home. And that was horrific. And that really made an input, uh, an impact on my life because it, it taught me to be good. So then many years later, in about seventh grade, my little brother now has taken all those prenatal vitamins and he's like Adonis. I have a sister who's the apple of my parents' eye. They don't care about us, me at all. And then my older brother had a disease called ulcerative colitis, and he was pure yellow. And you literally had to get cut off an arm to have anybody pay any attention. So I just, I'm invisible and it's making me crazy. So I turned into this little chameleon and I would tell you whatever you needed to hear in order for you to love me. So wow. if my brother scored four touchdowns, I scored five. So now two things, I'm really good. And the second one is I'm a little manipulating kid. And the third thing is when I was about 19 years old, I'm in a restaurant, the owner of the restaurant, I'm working a hundred hours a week in this restaurant. Wow. And the owner sees my dad who retired when he was 49 for a reason I never understood until my mom, until my mom's deathbed. But my dad just was devoid of ambition in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And it made me crazy. And the owner of that restaurant told me my dad was a bum. And that made me crazy because he was a great guy. Everybody loved him. He just didn't take big jobs for a reason I never found out. But here I am, Tom Chenault now, early age, early adult. Yeah. I'm really, really nice. I am a chameleon and I work my ass off. And sorry for your pastor. I should have said my, <laughs> You're I all promised right. I wouldn't say a bad word. So anyway, <laughs> I did that. And so I'm just, that's all the things I'm doing. And, you know, I never knew until I finally did some personal development that that's the way I got things. I worked really, really hard. I was really, really nice. And I could make any situation work for me. And mm. I, I accomplished great things in my life, millions of dollars, but it never felt good. And it took a personal development course called the Landmark Forum to me really to understand and put my finger on all three of those attributes were attributes and they were good. I worked hard and I was really nice but they were all tied to a major catastrophe in my life. But that's what made me the way I am. But until I did that course, I was never able to appreciate that about me. So that's pretty cool. I think. That's amazing. So uh, did your mom ever come back? 
No, no, no. She's never saw her again. No, of course. And once, no, that's a lie. So, no, of course. <laughs> as soon as the kid lived, he got it. He weighed one pound six ounces when he was born, sixty-five years ago. So he was like that big. Oh so once they God. got him out of the incubator and he came home, you know, everything was back to abnormal, which was awesome. <laughs> so, okay, so. Where, so how old were you when you found um, alcohol and and started um, digging into that? How old were you? 19, About 18? 18. I was such an, a late alcohol bloomer. But when it started, it lit, you know, all those, all the things that I tried to do with all that crazy stuff that happened to me, yeah. it came into full focus with a little beer on it. So I just love that stuff because it made all that stuff okay. So I just married alcohol hard. What was it something that you grew up with? Did you see no. alcohol in your no? No, I was the black sheep on that front from the get-go. Yeah. So um all right. So the college thing, um, I was going to say quickly didn't work out, but it actually took three years for it to not work yeah. out. That's not quickly. Um, so the college thing didn't work out. So you bailed on that or you got kicked out of that or however that transpired. Um, where did you go from there? I, I, so I'm in a restaurant and there's a, a they have 103 employees in this restaurant, 75,000 people going through the month through wow. the doors a month. It's the most beautiful kids you've ever seen working there. And I would sit at the counter and eat food with terrible jobs. And yeah. finally the owner goes, why don't you go to work here? You have got unbelievable charisma, which I thought was a compliment and <laughs> an unbelievable, you know, everything when I was perfect. And I, I started running that restaurant. I was, a, I worked my way up from a host to an assistant manager. And I don't know if I ever got promoted all the way to manager or not. But I really, really got to understand people and wow. I got to understand what moved people and I got to understand what made the difference between people coming back to that restaurant or not. And it wasn't the food. It wasn't the price. It wasn't the location. It was how much we remembered them. So in that restaurant with all these old people coming in the door, I was I, I was kind of like the main guy. So this has defined my life. Can you ask? Yes. Yeah. So what happened was we built like a Dewey decimal system. And you know how you were always the ugly little kid in your family and your brothers and sisters were much better looking. No, so I, we, not, not for me, but go ahead. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, if you came in the restaurant, we would give you the compliment and ignore your beautiful sister and your brother. And whoever was least likely to get the compliment we would compliment them authentically on something they loved about themselves, their Superman shirt or their earrings or their handbag. And not only that, we would write it down. Mm. And when they came back next Sunday, we would remember it and comment on it, which had them coming back and had them coming back. And that is literally my only attribute. I wow. am the king of remembering things about people because what you love most about me, Ken Walls, is what I remember about you. And that's every living human. I I mean, I, it's true, man. It's true. So, but l let me, were you, how do I, how do I ask this? Um, were you really aware of it back then? I mean, you said you were in the throes of, of drinking and all of this stuff. And were you really aware that, you were on to something. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was like a magic trick back then. I could get literally anything. It was so dangerous. And you know, that's, that is really, really if the wrong charisma, the wrong way is terrible. And I wasn't exactly the nicest person you ever want to meet, man. I'm drinking alcohol and all those young kids working in that restaurant and all the stuff that went along with that because I was, pretty much a drunken manipulator, but yeah. I was very, very good at it. Hey, see if you remember this. That's my wife up on the screen right now, Jill. Of course. I love her. <laughs> good old Jill. 
She's going, you know what? You're, I, I, actually, I can actually read your wife's mind right now. She's going, this is Ken's twin brother. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Facebook user loves them some Tom Chenault, just so you know. Um, so, all right. So you, you started this, um, and I, I look, uh, you and I do have that in common. Um, the, um, I, I remember at, cause I dropped out of high school in 12th grade and then worked at the Honda factory for a couple of years or so. And then I got into sales and I realized, cause I was going to get really rich in sales while I'm yeah. drinking. Um, and, and, and I, I remember thinking one day when the electric got shut off, I'm not very good at sales. <laughs> I need to, I need to learn something about this. Um, and, and so I ended up reading how to win friends and influence people. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm doing it wrong. That's the problem. I don't give a shit about anybody but me. And that, oh. so I, I recognized it. Right. And, and, and so I really had a big shift back then. And it sounds like you were on a, not, maybe not the same. Cause I really didn't, I was messed up, man. But, but that book really impacted me. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's, it's, it, well, it became everything and I had so much power and I made a little bit of money and I was just dangerous in Littleton, Colorado and doing despicable stuff. And yeah, my, my parents finally came and said, Tommy, you are, an, I think you have a drinking problem. You need to get out of the restaurant business because it's making you an alcoholic. And I go, well, what would I do, dad? I don't exactly, I didn't exactly get out of Harvard. He goes, you need to figure out something to sell to rich people. And I'm going, crime Manelli. Well, let me Google my last name. Google wasn't even there then. And in World War II, there was a famous general from the Flying Tigers called General Claire Chenault, and same last name. So I go, well, that's what, that's perfect. I'll go sell airplanes. And I'd never been in a small plane. And I walked into Beach Aircraft Corporation, and the guy goes, okay, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, you, you're any relation to Claire Chenault? I go, no, but no one's going to know that. And he goes, and I said, that's going to get me in offices. He goes, well, how many hours do you have? I go, none. He goes, you want me to hire you to sell airplanes and you've never been in a small airplane. I go, yeah. He goes, why? I go, look, you got all those pilots out there wasting your gas. You're trying to teach them to sell. Why don't you teach a salesman to fly? And he goes, oh my gosh, it's a deal. And he hired me on the spot. And the next thing you know, I'm being trained to sell by beach, which is nobody wants to buy an airplane. You have to sell it to them. And the right. second thing was, I'm around all these rich people. So I left on Monday and I would come home on Friday. I, I left in an airplane from Denver. I went to Montana and Wyoming and sold airplanes all over the state with an American Express card with Beach's name on it. Couldn't wow. get declined and a gas credit card. And I just went from everybody thought I went from airport to airport, but I really went from bar to bar. And I just <laughs> had a blast selling airplanes. And I wasn't one of those infatuated pilots. I couldn't wait to get out of the plane and go sell the airplane. So I did okay at it until they finally said, you're just a drunk. And they again fired me because of all kinds. I tried out, I almost landed an airplane in a Kmart parking lot. I mean, lots of stuff went wrong for another day that was crazy stuff. Cause you know, you just, it's hard, it's hard to fly when you're drinking. So at the end of the day, uh, it took them like two weeks to file this guy named Ernie Reese was supposed to fire me, but I had an airplane, so I wouldn't file flight plans, and I was just running from him all over Montana. They finally- Fly, Flying, flying yeah. around. Oh, yeah. So the next one, uh, no, it's not going to cost you any money, Facebook user. If you go to it's, StreamYard- it's, That's Jennifer Moran. I'm her coach. Yes, oh. it's 5,400, and I'll, I'll explain why. Jen, you're probably in a private, one of the private groups. Come over to my, my personal page. Um, so, and that's free. So, 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 you know, Jen Moran. I love her. I love her too. She's amazing. Yeah. So 
anyway, so they fire me and I come back to Colorado and my brother-in-law, the whole family is just positive I'm gonna be in jail or dead. So they, my brother-in-law is a stockbroker. And he says, Tom, you should be a stockbroker. You know all these rich people. And I said, fine, what do I do? They said, take this brokerage test and you'll be a stockbroker. I go, fine. So I go take the test because I told you I'm pretty smart. I take the test. Oh I, I have no idea what I'm doing. This is the second time in a row I passed a test I shouldn't have passed. Oh my One was the pilot's license and the other was the brokerage license. Now I am a stockbroker. And I will have you know, I made millionaires out of people, Ken. However, wow. they were multimillionaires when they started. I mean, I was, oh, I was, the, I was the worst stockbroker. All I cared about was alcohol and the commissions. So I was just a loaded gun oh my uh, God. in the brokerage business, but unbelievably good at it because I'd been trained by Beach to ask for the big money. So it was just a hand grenade with the pin pulled and so well, back, back, one second, back up, because I had some experience drinking in the Pacific Northwest as well, <laughs> even Montana, believe it or not. Um, so when 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 you you said you were flying around in an airplane running from running from them so they couldn't fire you. Yeah. No, yeah. Jen, Jen, you're still, you're still not a real person. Um, Can I tell her what to do real quick? It'll solve her life. Yes, please. Go to streamyard.com forward slash Facebook. Say yes. And it's done. She's probably done that. There's, right. face, there's another glitch with Facebook. It's All weird. right. Um, so, so um, yeah, but try that, Jen, if you haven't done that yet or haven't done it recently. So, so you're flying around. Isn't that against like federal law, FAA rules and stuff for pilots? Like, don't you have to file a flight plan? The statute of limitations is way past. There are so many reasons that's a terrible idea. And you know how you just hate people that smell like booze the next day? Can you imagine me trying to sell you a seat on an airplane tomorrow when I drank all night. And now we're locked into this airplane and I just smell like a goat. And then oh we're God. flying a long way in the airplane. And the guy looks over at me and goes, uh, hey, Tom. And I go, what? And he goes, aren't you supposed to put your gear up? And I'm going, oh, you know, because I'd forgotten to pick the, you know, put the gear. Yeah, that was okay. Oh. So, yeah. And I go, oh, yeah, well, no, that's actually I was trying to show you the drag of the airplane. I mean, you oh. just lie through your teeth. And, oh. uh Dear it was Lord. it was so much worse than that. Wow! It, with alcohol, you know, and I it was horrible. I mean, it was yeah. Uh, it was, wow, it was man. Difficult. So okay, so you're back to the, uh, let's go back to your stockbroker days, and and you were you were back in Littleton, right? Yeah. Okay, so you're a stockbroker now, making millionaires out of multimillionaires. Correct. In other words, they're losing their shirt. Correct. <laughs> Um, and how long did you do that? And where were you? How old were you? I was, um, that was in 1987, 1988, and I'm 71 now. So you figure that out, but I wasn't old. Um, okay. and I had a great job and you know, it was, I was like at the top of it, man. I was like really, really, really popular in that business because I had so many and Oh, I forgot to tell you. So here in Littleton, 75,000 people going through the doors a month. I've got all their information because I've been mapping them the whole time. So then I took their information and sold them airplanes. And then when I got done selling them airplanes, I went and sold them stocks. Oh, so I had this rolling Rolodex that I still have that is unbelievable. So I was just absolutely, and they couldn't fire me because they were afraid that they'd miss something. So basically what they wanted to do was just kind of insulate me Here's what, and I've never said this on the air before. If they would have done this, everybody would be rich. If they would have just gone in this office and given me this great big mahogany desk that was like <laughs> three feet above everybody, and I'm sitting at this desk, and I had a, a monitor here, a monitor here, and a phone on the desk, and I would, and I, all the people would come in the door, and I would talk to them and give them investment advice. 
except that my phones weren't plugged into anything and the quote machine wasn't plugged into anything. But they wouldn't know that. If they wow. would have just had somebody else take all the money that I raised and had somebody else do something with it, everybody would have won. If I would have, I raised so much money but I just had bad advice from people that weren't giving me good advice on which stocks to buy. And I was buying stocks for commissions for, to make the firm money and myself money versus the client. If I would have been buying real estate investment trusts or something like that, mm. we, it would have worked out great, but that wasn't the case. Instead, we were just, you know, it was a, a very volatile world and you know, we tried as hard as we could. Don't get me wrong. I wasn't willfully doing that. I didn't even know I was doing it, but the end result was buried. People got buried anyway. Wow. And um, that was that was bad, man. And yeah. finally, uh, I drank myself out of the brokerage business. And I lived in a place called Columbine Country Club. They played the PGA there, had a beautiful home, a beautiful wife, a couple of great kids. And uh, I'm, I got two DUIs and two disturbing the pieces in a month. Mm. And finally, uh, my AA, I sobered up. And my AA sponsor said, stop doing what got you drunk in the first place. And this is the tipping point right here. And I said, okay. So I went and quit my brokerage job, which was stupid. He meant stop doing all the dumb stuff. Not quit <laughs> job. Right. So I, um, I weigh about a lot more, maybe three something. And I am purple. And I, the, the brokerage firms are just sick of me. They will not hire me. Yeah. And I open and I, I try to get a job at a place called Dandelion. And because of all my restaurant experience and this supposed charisma, they took one, they said, well, we'd have to get a custom uniform made for you. No deal. So then I go, oh, crud. Okay, I'm gonna get a job. So I saw a job on the railroad, where in the railroad car, where you get the job and you're just serving those people. And the guy, I thought I was gonna get the job and it was gonna be a perfect job because I could hide out. My wife wouldn't be on my back because I was gonna be on the road. It was the perfect right. job. And they right. came back to me and said, you'll never fit in the aisles. You can't have the job. I'm like, I can't even get a job on the radio, on the rate, on the uh, railroad. Yeah. So I apply for a job like at McDonald's and places like that. And they're taking a second look at me and I'm going, this is screwed up. I, here's God. I open up a newspaper with all this charisma. I've been pitched. I've had circles for dessert across the world. Yeah. I, open up, I, I hate those multi-level marketing people. I open up the paper out falls a slip and it says unlimited income opportunity, no credit check, no background check, start immediately. And I call the guy on the phone, Eric McKelvey. And I said, is this true? He goes, is what true? I said, everything on this slip of paper. He said, yes. I said, I'm in. He goes, don't you want to know what it is? I go, no. And, I go, what is it? and he starts mumbling. He says, I'll send you some information. I go, no, you won't. He goes, why? I said, I'm coming to your house. And I literally drove over to this guy's house. Wow. It smelled like cats. He had like six cats. I walk in the door. I hold my nose. I sign the document. I buy six skincare kits for 500 bucks. I walk out with them under my arms. And I look at Eric McKelvey and I said, uh, where do I get more of these? And he scoffed at me. He said, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. He didn't know I'd written a hot check. And he didn't know Tom Schnell. <laughs> And he did not know the gift of desperation. And I, I sold those babies before I got home because I had to cover that check. Oh, my God. I became that network marketer you hate. <laughs> I mean, I still have a friend named Garrett Gordon Burry. He's a very wealthy guy. He lives up in this place called Roxborough. And every time I go to visit him, he goes downstairs to his basement. He brings up this box. It's got dust all over it. And I go, Gordon, what's the box? He goes, that's what you sold me. Back in 1988, and I've never <laughs> taken it out of the box. I've never thrown it away. I bring it up every time you come over because I want to remember. I do not want to buy what you're selling. Oh my gosh! That was me. Wow. And a guy said to me, "Tom, you got all this charisma. You are smart, but you are so arrogant. You are so selfish. You are so so about yourself." He said, "You are going to go broke enthusiastically." And you're going to take a lot of people with you and you're going to put another black eye on an industry that doesn't need another black eye. Mm. You got to get your head out of here. And I said, what are you talking about? He says, you got to make it about them, not you. 
And fortunately, the guy's name was Bill Shepard. I heard him and it made sense to me. And I went home and I went to my AA meeting and I came out of that AA meeting and I thought, why can't I make that this? Where we're a community, not a culture, not a system, not a bunch of noise, a community of like-minded people with a common goal to change lives. And I completely reinvented myself and the way I look and thousands of people look at network marketing with that one fell swoop, again, listening to God. Wow. Is that cool? That's amazing, dude. It's amazing. So this was when, what year was this? About 1988, 1989. Wow. So you, you've been, you've been at that, that gig for a long time. It's the, it's, it's for a guy that's the coffee shop interview, which is me. You know, I, I wrote a, a, a bestseller with Adrian called the coffee shop interview. That's like five pages long. And it's, huh? it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's a pamphlet, but everybody reads it. And the reason they read it is it, it teaches you to find out what people want to buy, what they don't want to buy yeah. about their money, about their health, about their life. And instead of throwing up on them with all the jazz that the multi-level marketers do, you wait a couple of days and you call them up and you say, I've been thinking about you. People go, you were thinking about me and I might have an idea for you. And so we've been training that forever and I've done really, really well, Ken. I mean, Fred. Yeah. And as a result of that, I, I finally stood up and I said, I love this profession done right. And I love treating people like human beings, not prospects. Mm. And I love dropping people off right where they want to be. And I love being that guy that instead of calling directory assistance or the yellow pages or anything, when anybody needs anything in their life, from business to health to sobriety, they call Tom Chenault. I mm. love being that guy. Yeah. And it's worked out at a level you can't believe. So I've dedicated my life to it. Here I am, 71 years old. And this isn't what I am. It's who I am. Is that cool enough? I love that, dude. I love that. Who I am. So, <clears throat> wow. I'm going to unpack some things here. <laughs> I talk too much. I'm sorry about that. Dude, that's what this show's about. It's about, about you telling your story. And I, I love your story, man. So, so when you walked out of... What happened though? What you said, I walked out of that AA meeting and had that you had this epiphany. What did you hear in that meeting? What, what was it that, that was the, that made you just go, Oh, I, I, okay. I get it. I, I don't care. And I've dedicated my life to AA. I've been to a two AA meetings today. I mean, I've got 12,500 days of straight sobriety. Yeah. And my life every day is still Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. And the reason is, is because I believe God gave me a second life. And I believe he gave me a, doc a doctorate in drunk. And I believe that I can help people. And so my that's been my life mission. And inside of AA, it's the same 164 pages, just like the Bible. It's, yeah. the, you know, all we do is read these 164 pages every day. It isn't about the book, right? It isn't about the book. It isn't right. about the steps. It's right. about the community and all of us pulling together to keep, keep each other sober. Leave that. Don't, don't leave that screen just like this because behind me on that shoulder over there is a guy. And in my town, Longmont, Colorado, I'm kind of a big deal at one point, not anymore. They got to know me, but they had a big fundraiser. And what they said was, let's paint all those guys in town and we know we'll have an auction and they'll buy the painting themselves or they'll send somebody in and we'll get a lot of money. So I said, no, 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 don't pick it. Don't, I don't like my face. Take a picture of this guy, this friend of mine, that's that guy right there and take a picture of him and I'll buy the painting for whatever you want me to pay for it. So they painted that. And this guy is here literally every day of my life to remind me over my shoulder that I'm not half as hip slick and cool as my paycheck is trying to tell me I am. And I could be back in his shoes 
anytime I decide to pick up a drink. And I, because I'm such a fallible human being, need yeah. that daily reminder, as do almost everybody, I think. And that's a pretty cool story right there, right? It's amazing. How much did you pay for that painting? I don't know. The check bounced. <laughs> You're so full of it, man. So, so. Okay, I, I have um, in the past dabbled in network marketing and um, one of my, um, and of course, you know, being an influencer, I, I get um, inundated with opportunities <laughs> to change my life. I'm like, you know, did did you did you ever consider that maybe I don't want to change my life? I'm happy with my life as it is. What is it about you? And and of course, I you know, we know we're friends with Richard Brooke, who's done incredibly well also, and Ray Higdon, and 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 what is it about you? that's different because Tom, I, I get these messages. Oh, I'm going to show you how to make a million dollars a year. What if I'm already making a million dollars a year doing something I love? You know what? I mean, what is it that's different about you? Because there's, there is something I see it. I feel it. I hear it. I love you. You're, you're amazing. We're really good friends, but what is it that's different with you than everybody else? Because I despise trying to get other people to work when they don't want to. It's all in that coffee shop interview. It's all in this book. If you weren't so arrogant and you weren't interviewing people with your eyes, you would find out what they want to buy and then sell that to them. Mm. Here's what happens to me. I walk in a Starbucks and the next thing you know, here comes the guy with the weight loss wafer. Hold on. Here I can't, I can't hear you. You're f too far back. I think. Here comes the guy with the weight loss wafer. Here comes the guy with the cookie. They all walk up to me in the line and go, oh, you're Tom Chenault. You got to try this weight loss wafer. I don't hear that. I hear you're fat. Hi, Tom Chenault. Or they want me to have the cookie because they right. interviewed me with their eyes. And that was so stupid because if they just would have taken the time to know me a little bit, they would have realized I really have issues and there might be something in their business that would fill those holes in my life. But instead, everybody is so busy broadcasting and not receiving. And my whole thing here is fire your brain, hire your heart, listen to people, wait a couple of days, call them up and sell them what they said they wanted to buy. Mm. Or if they don't want to buy something, don't give them the pitch. Just remember them. Ken, it was great to be on your show, but I'm telling you what, the best thing about that show was your wife, Jill. I want to know more about her. Let's have a cup of coffee and talk about that next week. See you later. What can I do to make your life better? That's all I do, you guys. And that's this company I built called Remember, 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 Ask. Network marketing is throw up, throw up, throw up, throw up, three foot rule, all that noise that no one would do in any other profession which makes it not a profession. All I do is make sure I've got you mapped where I know your blood type, where I know what it is you want and you forgot you told me. That's all it is, is making sure that I'm selling you what you wanna buy. And as a result of that, there is no rejection because you told me last week you were gonna say yes. I just have to posture the conversation Right. And that's what I, that's, what's different about me is I serve, I don't sell. It's Love all relationship. That. And so inside of that, all these people I've got on a rotation and remember, I don't know if you guys have, most of you know who my wife is. She's unbelievable, unbelievable. And I'm no spring chicken. And it's just a matter of time before Peter, the pool boy comes up with a glass of iced tea and says, your husband's on the phone all the time. You know, I, I wouldn't do that. So every day I have my wife on a rotation to remember every day and every day my, I look at my phone and I got to go downstairs and tell her something unbelievably good about her. She can't live without that. She's a Buddhist. A couple of months ago, she, uh, 
she started doing something called reflections every day. So we live on a lake and there was a beautiful heron on the lake and she wrote something beautiful about the heron. And she said, Tom, read this. And I said, what is this? She said, it's my reflections. I said, can I read a few more of them? And she said, yeah. So I read back a month. And in that month, the six best things that happened to her in six days on that month were something that I had gotten up and said out of the sky blue to her wow. that touched her so much. It reminded her of the beauty of that heron. That's you. That's what you should be doing with poor Jill. That's what we need to do is completely remember, especially the people closest to us. So why, why, now, why do you assume that I don't? <laughs> I, I think I have intuition. Wow. Wow. Well, hey, it's been great uh, having you on the show, Tom. Oh, have a good that is, life. That is so fun. <laughs> It's never too late to start, Kim. <laughs> so, so, oh my God, so many things. All right. So, um, and now you got my wife agreeing with you. Damn you, Tom. So, all right. Let me ask, because I know a little tiny, tiny bit about what, what you actually, your, your company and what you and Adrian are doing um, I don't know much about it. I'm, I'm, I can't wait to learn more about it. Um, what, what, why don't people do it now? Like, it, it's not like I don't love my wife. It's not like I don't want her to know that I love her. And why don't people do it? I don't, I don't understand. Is it, we're just so busy. We forget. No, no, yeah, no, you know, it's a muscle. That's such a smart question. How many times before I quit drinking did I say I was going to quit drinking, but I couldn't do it? <laughs> right. I tried every trick in the book, and they finally said you have to go to AA. And I go, AA, do you realize how much of an important stockbroker I am? <laughs> I made $877,000 last year. That was in 1988. By the way, I made $30,000 in 1989. But in 1988, I made a ton of dough. I'm driving the nice cars. I lived in the country club and I thought I was all of it in a bag of chips. Yeah. And I walked into that AA meeting and I, I swear to God, I thought it was going to be a bunch of winos laying on the floor because that's what I thought an alcoholic was. Yeah. And I walk in the door and I'll never forget it because Columbine Country Club, this place I lived has a men's grill where there is an, you can't break that code of silence there. So I always knew I had a fallback in the men's grill where I could hide there and still drink and tell everybody I was in AA. I walked in that AA meeting and the woman that greeted me at the door was the wife of the president of Columbine. And she said, Tom, it's good to see you. We've had a chair out with your name on it for a long, long time. And the jib was up and I went in there and I was home. Yeah. I was home. And this is the most important thing I'm going to say on this show. And I got in there and I realized an acronym that I use to this day. It's called like a BLT sandwich. You've had those before, BLT, BLT. Yeah. Bacon, lettuce, tomato. This is the BLTs of my life. This is how I live my life. I want every, I want to have the BLTs with everybody. I want you to know you belong in my tribe. I want you to know I love you. I want you to know you can trust me and I want you to know you're safe with me. The BLTSs, belong, love, trust, safe. Because if somebody has all four of those with you, your wife Jill has all four of those with you. She'll do anything for you, you'll do anything for her. If one of those are missing, they're gonna sign up or they're gonna do a little bit, but they're basically gonna phone it in to get you to shut up. You got all four of those, that's where you look because that's where you take over countries. That's where you move mountains. That's where you change the world. And this community that we've got inside of contact mapping, it's, we've got an app. The app's killer. If you go to the app store, you get the app. It's got a free trial. You'll love it. And then one step above, that's a tool. And then we've got a system where you're supposed to talk to two people a day, document that conversation, put them in a rotation or remember towards that day that you're going to actually follow up and try to sell them something. That's the system. 
there's a culture of everybody, the, the noise, the people that just phone it in to say, that's what I want to do. That's the culture. But I'll tell you one thing right now. All the magic lives in the community. So what I have done in my network marketing business and also in contact mapping is create that exact same community that I've got in AA. So all three areas of my life are predicated upon the BLTSs. So I don't have to be anything except that same train wreck, Tom Chanel, wherever I go. And it's good enough because I love me enough finally today that I don't have to be Ken Walls. I don't have to be Arthur. I don't have to be Frank Lopez or, or Doug Stare. I get to be the best Tom Chenault. And I love that. And you get to choose whether or not you want to be with me or not. And I have absolutely no argument if I'm not the guy that fits for you. Because I'm trying to change the world. And my game is bigger than that. It's a lot like what Ramey's doing. Yeah. That's what, the, you know, and what, so Ramey's big dream. What did I do there? You told, you introduced me to Ramey. You set me up with Ramey. Yeah. And all I did was put my big dream inside of his bigger dream. All I did was put my big dream inside of Kim Walls' bigger dream. All I'm teaching people to do is jump in my dream with me and we're all going to go together. A rising tide floats all ships. Yeah. That's the whole thing, Ken. Yeah. Wow. For a dollar a day. The price is a dollar a day for you people freaking out thinking I'm some sort of flim flam guy. A dollar a day. <laughs> That's a lot of money, dude. A lot of money. So, so, oh my gosh, man. Um, and, and okay. So contact mapping, is there a website address I can pop up on the screen by the yeah, way? That's a tricky one. Contactmapping.com. That's tough. Hold on. Contact mapping. mapping. Is there two, P, two P's in that? <laughs> that I, I'm a high school dropout, Tom. What can I say? Yeah. So, so this contact mapping thing. Right. How, so what does it do? What does it, what's it going to do for me? That is such a brilliant question. So I never onboard anybody through my phone anymore. I just have my contact mapping app in the corner of my phone. Hold on. I'm going to give you full screen. Show, show it off. So okay. there it is right there. There's okay. the, so I've got, I got, a, I, so there's an aerobic person I'm trying to talk to on the screen right now, but right there, I hit the onboard button. And what it does is it's just like your phone it says, what is Ken Walls's name? What's Ken Walls's phone number? What's Ken Walls's email address. But then you hit save and it says, do you have a picture of Ken? And instead of getting Ken's prom picture, I took a picture of Ken when I was with him. Hopefully I've got my arm wrapped around him because my brain's going to remember where I took that picture. Mm. So now I've got name, phone number, picture of you. Hit save. And then it says, what do you know about Ken Walls? And you speak in to the phone, everything you know about Ken Walls, including his beautiful wife, Jill. It's all there. Then you hit save and it says, when are you going to remember Ken Walls next? One day, one week, one month? Because nobody, nobody, you know, right here, as a matter of fact, I'm looking at my screen right now, Ken. You know what it says right here? I got a yellow sticky right here on my desk. Do you know what it says? Remember Ken Walls every single day of my life. No, it says F you, Ken Walls. <laughs> you know why it says that? Do you know why it says follow up Ken Walls? It says follow up. But we all feel. <coughs> oh, my God. Nobody, nobody likes to be followed up. You don't like followed up. You don't want to, you don't want to be followed up on and you don't want to follow up. You want to be remembered and you want yes. to. Yes. Yes. Shift that in your head. Is that beautiful? That's, it's not as Funny, dude. Oh my gosh. That is insane. All right. So, so, uh, wow. So every morning I get up and this rotation or remember comes up and I see your name and I go, and not you, but most people that I meet, yeah. I go, who is that guy? It's like everybody in your phone. You don't know who half of them are. So you look up to the notes and you remember you met him at the coffee shop and it's all over. So the reason that Josephine's in my phone right now, 
I'm driving, I, I, I'm in an Uber. I meet this kid named John Starkey. He's the nicest guy you ever want to meet in your life. He's the Uber driver. He's very tightly wound. He used to be a little fix-it guy. He married a woman 25 years younger than him from the Philippines. They had a kid. Now he's trying to figure out how to be dad and make money, and he's driving Uber and blowing his brains out. And I said, John, it's kind of like everybody, everybody says to you, you got to be a network marketer. And you don't want to be a network marketer. You are a connector. And if anybody understood that, they would do. They would let you be what you're great at, and then they, I would do what I'm great at, and we'd have a perfect marriage. So I said, John, in the back of your car, you're driving an interrogation booth. What I want you to do is listen to their problems, and instead of saying, that sucks, what are you going to do about it? You say, I might have an idea for you. His name's Tom Chenault. So uh, all these people are calling me like crazy. This was a couple of years ago. So yesterday, a guy named Carl DeVere called me, said, Tom, I go, what? He goes, did you hear what happened to John Starkey? I go, no. He said he got in a wreck and totaled his car. I go, that sucks. What's he going to do about it? No, I didn't say that. I said, <laughs> I said what can I do for Ken, for uh, John Starkey? Because this guy needs money. I'm sure he doesn't have the great insurance. It's going to take a while to get his car. So in my contact mapping app, I swear to you this is true. I put John Starkey's name yeah. in, and that gave me everybody he's ever given me. So then I scrolled through it to see if there's any recognizable names in there, and there was this woman named Josephine. And Josephine, stand by, this is so crazy. You're going to faint. So Josephine is this world-class weightlifter fitness model that was riding around in Starkey's car in Denver. So wow. he said to her, you need to call Tom Chenault. He could probably get you something. I don't even know what it was. It's three years ago. Yeah. She says, okay. So she calls me on the phone. She's from Sweden. She's a kid. She is an entrepreneur. She was, oh, she trained Arnold Schwarzenegger. So she's the best. Wow. So, I go, holy mackerel. And I forgot to tell you, I think I told you that I let God drive every decision I make. I never yep. say no. I just follow my intuition. Right. So I pop up Josephine on Instagram and her whole profile is how she's allergic to celiac. She's got celiac. She's allergic to gluten, this, that, and the other thing. And I thought, holy mackerel, I'm going to hook her up with somebody where she can monetize that and get John Starkey in the middle of the conversation so he makes money. That's all it is. Give, 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 give. Yep. Remember, 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 ask. If you do that, give, 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 ask. Remember, 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 ask. Instead of agenda, 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 yep. you win every time. It's that simple. I swear I am I mean, not wrong. And the app does it for you. And this community that we've got an online AA meeting without the alcohol called contact mapping every day where everybody goes in there because we're all paralyzed by fear of what to say supposedly. So we don't pick up the phone. Right. But when you right. get about around a bunch of like-minded people and we're all pulling those oars together, it becomes poetry in motion and it's like a magic trick. <clears throat> that's who, yeah, for sure. That's what, that's, that's why I love him so much, Jill. I love him. I don't like him. I love him. Yeah. Fact. Uh, wow. We have covered a lot, man. Let me ask you a question because I, I always I always ask these two questions. Um, the first question I'm going to ask is a two-part question. And the number one answer to it is fear. And I anticipate that you'll do better than that. <clears throat> what, in your opinion, besides, unless it's fear, I don't want to hear it. Um, I'm kidding. What, in your opinion, stops people from, number one, having real financial success in life? And number two, related to that, because I do believe they're related, real joy, happiness, freedom in life. I think those two things are related, Tom, because I've been homeless and broke and I've been wealthy and Wealthy is way better. And I was happier wealthy. So what do you think is holding people back from having it all in life? 
believe in they can. That's it. It's an inside job. Yep. A hundred percent. It's an inside job. And until, you know, what happened to me after listening to Ramey and listening to you and buying that book is I went back and remembered what I'd forgotten from Napoleon Hill. And I went and got those 15 hours of lectures from him and I'm listening to him again. And the reason is, is because I realized I was phoning it in yet one more time. Things were too good. And what I want all of you to remember is you need to fall in love with yourself first. Because if you're not, if you're trying to be me or you're trying to be Jill or you're trying to be Ken Walls, you're going to be a terrible imitation of that. God made you exactly the way you are. And you might not be agreeing with that right this minute because it's a process. I don't know if you see how far I stand back all the time. It's because I can't stand the size of my head. I don't like myself on a screen. There's a million things. One eye's kind of goofed up. I've got, by the way, have you seen that ad for that stuff called Trapeza where they say they got the bulgy eye? No. <laughs> so it's on TV all the time now. So, they, so you got the bulgy eye. So my eye's kind of bulgy. It's called thyroid eye disease. And what that is, is your eye, something's wrong. You know how much it costs to fix this problem, Ken? How much? Six months of shots, a shot in each eye for six months in a row, 200 grand. I think what? I'm going with the look. I am calling myself not Igor, Igor, and we're just going to save 200,000 and you're going to have to just deal with it because that just sounds wrong. Is it painful? Huh? I've never even noticed, Tom. So is it painful? I think probably for you. No, it's not. Not at all. <laughs> but I used to get away with bloody murder because I had these beautiful blue eyes and they were actually the same size. And I still find myself, like, I swear this is true. A couple days ago, I just left the Nuggets game Sunday night. And I'm walking out and this lady said something to me and I gave her a look and I tried, I said something that I was thought was funny. And I saw her look at me go, because I, I, these weren't my beautiful blue eyes anymore. She's going, who the heck is this guy? Wow. She, yeah, she practically called security on me. So I got to get over that and fall in love with the way I look again. But yeah. You know, back um, <clears throat> when Jill and I first met, um, I had been sober for seven or eight years at the time. And we, we, um, <clears throat> we opened up our first office. And I had this guy working for me that walks in my office. I'm on the phone with a client and he says, he whispers, Hey, there's some dude in the parking lot looking in the windows of your SUV. And I'm like, you're bigger than I am, dude. Go kick his butt. Like tell him, get out of here. What? He's like, he's got it blocked with a tow truck. I'm like, what the, Oh no, that's no bueno. Um, so, you know, I remember at that moment feeling like, what's the point of being here? Why, why even go on? What, what's the, you know, I've been through having electric shut off, building my business, losing house, losing a house, losing like just all of the stuff. And, and now I'm standing in a parking lot with four employees trying to convince a repo man not to take my car. Yeah. And, and it was the most humiliating moment felt like at the time of my life. And, and, you know, there are people, especially in the last few years that suicide rates skyrocketed in 2020. The, the, there are people that are, you know, facing all kinds of problems. If somebody called you up and said, Tom, my electric's being shut off tomorrow. My car was just repossessed. I feel like I've tried everything I know how to do to make life better. And it's just not working out. I'm at the end of my rope. What would you say to them? I'd say if you want to borrow money, call Ken. If you want to, you know, that's a lie. I would say we need to have a cup of coffee. And we need to figure out how to turn that boat from what got you in this trick bag in the first place. That's what I would say. Yeah. And I would say, I need to spend some time with you 
And I would then have my agenda go out the window and figure out a way to serve those people. That's what I would do. And I don't know if it's a job someplace else, it's a different job, a different line of work, whatever. If I can take my agenda and just love them, you know, maybe this profession called network marketing fits for them. Yeah. You know, the problem with it, it takes the time to make money. So it's there's a window there that is going to take a little bit of time. So maybe they can't do that, but they can do something with somebody that I know. And my job is to hook them up with somebody where both sides are going to win. And the only thing I have to do is listen hard, look in my database and feel where and find out where the fit is. And there's a guy on here on the phone right now who decided to reinvent himself. He's watching this show and he was making several thousand dollars a month. He walked away from it and had to restart. So now he's driving DoorDash, doing a couple of other things and having a heck of a time, especially with these snowstorms. And I ran into another guy a couple of days ago that with all this horrible weather, he uh, he drills holes in people's houses because he does the test, you know, for, for all that stuff. And it costs $1,500. Yeah. So I'm talking to him on the phone. I go, how'd it go today? He goes, well, I made 5,600 bucks. Uh, I got to send the company 3,000 of it. I get to keep the rest. I go, what's that job? He goes, oh, I'm looking for people. I go, what is it? He goes, you go do these tests for people and uh, you make a lot of money. I go, how long is the certification? He said, three days. So I called my buddy and I said, you got to call my buddy. I will make no money off of that. Right. But I win karmically. Yes. Two people up together that need each other. Can I tell you one more story real quick? It's awesome. Please. I don't know jack about real estate. Nothing. And I'm sitting on a Friday night at my house downstairs with Denise. The phone rings. It's my buddy, Robert McFadden. You probably know him. I go, McFadden. He goes, yeah. I go, he goes, Tom, I need $12 million. I go, you called the wrong Tom. He goes, no, I did <laughs> I said, yes, you did. He said, no, it's for a real estate deal. I go, McFadden, it's Tom Chenault. I don't know anything about real estate. He goes, I know you don't, but I know you know people. I go, what's up? He said, I'm in a deal over in Park City. It's not working out. The main guy just jumped out of the foxhole. It's an unbelievable deal. If you can get me in front of somebody with that kind of money, I can get the deal. I go, holy mackerel. I don't know anybody like that. He goes, yes, you do. I'm sending this over to you. I'm emailing it right now. I got it. I sent it to my friends. I sent it to three friends of mine. One, my friend, Steve, he's up in Boulder. He goes, he calls me Monday morning. He goes, how well do you know this guy? You know, not that well. He goes, check him out. So I call another friend of mine in AA and I call it and I go, tell me about this guy. He goes, if I had one Paul Bearer, it would be him. I love him. I call this guy back, Steve. I go, he checks out. What now? He says, get me the deal. I call up this guy. I said, uh, Okay, two things. Number one, I need the deal as fast as possible. And how much money do I make? He said, you get this deal done for me. I'll give you 80 grand. Hung up the phone. He sent the deal. I sent it to Steve. Three months later, phone rings. It's McFadden. I go, what's up, McFadden? He says, what's your wiring number? And I go, why? He goes, I'm going to send you some money. He didn't say how much money. I didn't remember the conversation. I didn't have anything in writing. But I knew that I was on the phone with him for like five minutes. I sent out an email. I knew he was probably going to give me 500 bucks. I opened up my white, my bank the following morning, and he'd sent me 79,000 bucks because of my connections. Yep. And all I didn't try to be a jerk about it. I didn't play some dumb game. I didn't play like it was greed. I said, take care of me. If the deal gets done, had he not taken care of me, it would have been no harm, no foul, but the universe rewards good thoughts and good actions and good people, Amen. the BLTSs. That's what it's all about, you guys. Get Lose your agenda. Make your agenda the agenda of the person across the table from you, and you're going to win 100% of the time. I feel like I just interviewed myself. <laughs> your wife said that. <laughs> I, I, but it's the way, and I... I I, again, I can't wait to learn more about contact mapping because it sounds like it was literally made for me. I, I yeah. love it, man. I love it. Tom Chenault, you are definitely one of my favorite human beings on this planet. Yeah, well, we got to do your one of mine. And I'm telling you what, you hooked me up with that, Remy, you know, and 
I, what I loved about his book, never stay down, always reach up. That's who you are. I'm learning that from you. I mean, the people that you've interviewed, I'm blown away by. You are my idol, buddy. Ah, oh, dude, you're mine. I, I appreciate you. Thank you for um, your authenticity, your heart, your your everything, man. You're you're just incredible. Do not leave the call though. I'm gonna end the live stream, and you and I are gonna chat real quick afterwards. Okay. All right. Beautiful. It's gonna feel like I left, but I'm not leaving. <laughs> All right. Story Hang of my tight. life. I want. <laughs> Oh my God. I don't think I've laughed this hard in an interview in so long. Oh, Tom, you're awesome. Everybody that's not following Tom, make sure you go follow Tom right now on all the social medias. He's everywhere. Go look up Tom Chenault and follow him. Go to contactmapping.com. Go to the app stores. Check it out. It sounds like it's a game changer. I'm going to be using it. I know that for sure. So Tom, thank you so much, man. I love you. Love you, man. We'll see you guys later.